Hey, this is Spanner from the Spanner and Riggs Show. We are here for episode eight of the Spanner and Riggs podcast. And uh, you notice I have a little bit of a different background. I'm back in Cali, going back to Cali, Cali. Hey, on tonight's podcast, we got an interview with Nick Holberg. We're going to break down the uh, spring sports, girls softball and girls soccer. We're going to talk a little hockey goat. And we're going to talk a little Vikings offseason draft. Should they trade? Should they not trade? Kirk Cousins. Here we go. Here we are. We're going to talk a little Vikings offseason. And we just uh, watched them re-sign Kirk Cousins. You know, and uh, I know Riggs has uh, alluded to this is not the move that he wanted the Vikings to make. Didn't think it was a quality move. Uh he was a former Redskin Commanders, Washington football team quarterback at one time. Um, you know, what do you think? They uh, they resigned him. You know, I, I honestly think that they got, uh, with all the crazy movement that's been going on, they were kind of backed into a corner. You know, the question, of course, all franchises, including the Vikings, is can you upgrade? And maybe, honestly, truth be told, we may not know that maybe they did make some calls on a few of these, you know, wild uh, changes. And, of course, you know, the... Uh, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing was over. But I think for the Vikings, it, it's the best move they can make right now. You know what, he's got continuity with Thielen and Jefferson. And, you know, I do think that they're a team that if you put in the right mechanics and you know more than anything else, Spain in the NFL, coaching means a whole lot more than probably a lot of other sports. But just maybe schematically they change things up. And if Kirk can can play, like, above average, we know he's not – probably the elite but if he can play above average and they get some good defense I think it's a good move for him I think because they're they're backed into a hole um you know I think he's probably still you know maybe the second best quarterback maybe third best but definitely second best quarterback in that division so they kept like I said for them it was the best move for them that they had to make just with how wild everything was what were your thoughts well I don't know I, I you know how I'm not huge on paying huge quarterback mm-hmm. salaries. You know, Brady's won a bunch. Um, you know, Manning won when all those players jumped in to play with him in his last, you know, years on a discount. Uh, but other than that, everyone's been on a rookie contract, you know, for like the last 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, who's won Super Bowls other than Brady, who always takes less. He's even still takes less now, even though he's taking more than he did when he was in New England. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think it's that bad because I don't think he's way up there. You know, you have room. Um, if they'd have traded away pieces to get Deshaun Watson, which he's got a whole bunch of issues coming with him, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, all these, I mean, are they that much better? I mean, you're going to give up a bunch of pieces and Kirk Cousins to get to get a quarterback. That, that to me is that much better. In this world, when you look at the 2001. Uh, Rams losing to the Patriots, Brady's first Super Bowl. And Brady was just this young guy that threw for like 130 yards or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, the Rams receivers got molested, cr- crushed the whole, the whole game, all the way up and down the field. And the NFL changed the rules, illegal contact and all this stuff. And then, you know, Belichick was actually the first one to, to, to kind of see what was going on. And they went into this just complete pass game. Uh, then the Patriots went back-to-back Super Bowls with 
I mean, with no rushing game whatsoever. And the world's changed that way. Andy Reid's gone that way. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. gone this way, but just pass, 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 pass. And what I'm le- alluding to is I think it's a good signing because if they gave up Kirk Cousins and a bunch of picks and a bunch of capital, they don't have an over-the-top safety that can win in a playoff game. They still need a number one corner. They need an edge rusher. And without you know those pieces, yep. Yep. what difference does it make What who's at quarterback? I think they would give up too much capital. He's not anywhere near the, the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and where all the new contracts are going to go. I, I, I think they have enough uh, space to, to, to fill up that roster where they need to, to win the North. You know, and if they win the North, I mean, you know, you just, just got to get, you know, lucky in the playoffs, make a run, you know, and, yep. you know, uh, and, and, you know, and speaking of all these quarterbacks that came available, I mean, what a crazy offseason. I've never seen anything like it. And, and to me, I think the NFL is starting to follow suit with college football. You got yeah. the portal and the players are just dictating their way out of t- out of situations. And I've never seen. Wild. When have you ever seen quarterbacks Wild. leave? Absolutely. The, these big ones, too. It has been. It has Montana been a, goes to yep. Kansas City was monumental. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One one player. Danny. Right. I mean, and yeah, the 10 times up by 10. But. On, like what was your for like this offseason though for especially quarterbacks what was your what was your biggest change that you thought was like wildest but probably maybe either the best fit or maybe the wrong fit but what was your you know give or take Russell maybe, Wilson yeah, to Denver I, absolutely I we Denver we agree to on me is the there. only yep. sorry but no, go ahead. Denver's the only team to me that has a roster that can compete with the Rams yeah and now they have a quarterback absolutely. to match the Rams. You know, uh, they've got, I mean, they, they, they got Patrick Sertain, you know, and, you, you know, they just got pieces. That that rookie edge that they promoted when they traded Von Miller to the Rams, you know, yeah. that guy is another monster too. Uh, yeah. You know, they're – Bills. Oof. I, I see them being very, very tough to beat in the AFC. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought that was a weird trade by the Dolphins for Ty- Tyreek Hill. I thought yeah, that was a little that was crazy. I mean, that's you're bordering on Herschel Walker trade there. Oof. And you know, to, uh, and to pay him like whatever the extension that is, you know, whatever, all that stuff that goes with it. Um, you know, for me, I agree with you on the Russell Wilson, the two that kind of stand out to me that are kind of, I don't know what you want to call them wild cards. Number one, of course, is the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I mean, there's, we have to figure out, you know, what's going on there. Like, I mean, suspensions and all the litigated lawsuits. But aside from that, just from football, I think that might be a fit because I think the Browns are good. It's just now they've taken a quarterback that could probably take them over the top. The other one that not a whole lot of talk is, and I, I, I'm very interested, is 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 Matt Ryan to the Colts. And, you know, everybody's been dogging on, you know, Matt Ryan and, and just maybe because how the Falcons have... have have played, you know, the last year or so, or whatever. But, you know, stats weren't horrible. But if he can kind Talk of, about do a, Super Bowl you know, Matthew Stafford go up, you know, like he played elite this year. Can Matt, Matt Ryan do that with arguably one of the best running backs, you know, in, in the NFL? And so those are my two, you know, like I like I said, wild card. But, I mean, what for, what for you, what would be your two kind of interesting moves that one or two that you think are going to be like kind of wait and see type of attitudes? I like Carson Wentz. I think he's really good. 
I, I thought that was a good move by uh, Washington, but they absolutely have to add another wide receiver. Talk to the ever. You got McLaurin, and there's a massive too. gap between your first receiver yes. and then anything else that's running routes. Yes. And uh, but I like. I, I thought that was a, a good move. And look, I, you know, I've, I've said it already on this show. I'm a North Dakota guy. I like Carson Wentz. Uh, so, you know, I I didn't like the Deshaun Watson trade. You know, Baker Mayfield was hurt the whole year. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much better you got. Um, I agree. I think Cleveland's got a very good team. But, you know, I don't know what the dynamic is in the locker room. I mean, if make, if, if Baker lost the locker room, does it really matter if he was hurt? You know, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Point. Very good point, um, I did see a great joke <laughs> online. Oh, boy. That said, we need to send Baker Mayfield over to uh, Kiev because he's, uh, he, he's the only one that can overthrow Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see that too as well. <laughs> Well, and honestly, in that trade specifically, you know, and and honestly, truth be told, the biggest intrigue of that too is is if they can offload Baker and get some of that draft capital back in some form, you know, they might be somewhat closer to that because, I mean, obviously they traded everything for him and, and you you know, name what to to Houston, but if they can be able to trade him off to be able to get some of that draft capital back, that could be a game changer in that whole dynamic, but... It's it's really going to be uh, an interesting, but it is a wild off season. I'm like, uh, but for me, like you said, for Carson Wentz, I feel like it's definitely an upgrade. I mean, as much as people were dogging what he did in the last three games for the Colts, he's still an upgrade over. I love you know, Taylor Haneke, but he just he's not going to get us over the edge. And, and but like you said, they they need another rod receiver. Absolutely, it was nice to see uh, Ron Rivera hanging out at Ohio State's. Uh, pro day and talking to a few of these uh, couple guys they said receivers and stuff like that but do you what about your cowboys just kind of feels like they've been kind of quiet but honestly that always that, you know but that's good they're always too. quiet that, always quiet but that's okay though you don't sometimes want your teams you know making these wild rush changes and and you know just and honestly it's you, it's an interesting thing because right? i was going to ask you a question sorry no interesting thing i was going to ask you a question about it and it is more about the, you know, that's the Cowboys philosophy, stay quiet. You know, they do their thing, but let's get back to the Vikings. Okay. So in the draft, do they sit tight, right? Mm-hmm. Do they sit tight or do they trade up to get a playmaker? You know, uh, to me, the Vikings have to trade their first round pick. Really? Yeah, this, is what, yeah. this is what I'll say. Yep. I'll tell you why I say that. And there's two, two two ways you can go. You can go the Belichick way, which has been proven, mm-hmm. right? Or you can go the Rams way. But the Rams right now have basically said, look, we'll give up draft capital for proven playmakers, mm-hmm. right? I think the Vikings need to trade that pick, get themselves like a Marcus Williams safety for the Saints or, or, or move up and mm-hmm. get a playmaker like the Rams do, or – I mean, when you're picking in the middle, you know what it's like. Oh. The Redskins have been in the middle of the draft for, oh, it seems like, 20 you years. Oh, your Cowboys are the ones that are kings of the middle of the draft. Although they both <laughs> we win the division a lot. Hey, no, no, no. But, Remember, but we, anyway, lay, we lay no. an egg to get that second pick every, like, four years. That's what we do. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Being in the middle of the draft, they could go Belichick with all the wide receivers that are every, all these teams need right now, yeah. right? 
they have like one of the best one-two punches in the league at wide receiver. They could trade back and get extra picks and, and try to gaps. hit some home runs and and hit you know and and fill out more needs. But honestly, right now the Rams have kind of set the table of like draft picks or a roll of dice. We want playmakers, yeah, not just good players, playmakers. You know, uh, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. I mean, Absolutely. you know, uh, the Aaron Donald is it's a good one because um, that year Dallas picked right after the Rams and they, they dropped his Zach Martin. Dallas on their board had Aaron Donald number one and Zach Martin number two. And both those guys fell oh, all the way down, and the Dallas Crazy. didn't have to trade up to get either one of them Crazy. because they just fell down. The Rams took Donald, and, the, and Dallas took Martin, and it's been. Uh, and I feel good, but, you know, when you're, yep. you're you want your team to have yep. a good draft analysis, but you know, uh, I don't know. Crazy off season. I think uh, I think the Vikings did well to secure a quarterback at a decent rate, but they've got some holes. They, I mean, they got the three most important holes on defense to get off the field mm-hmm. and they need interior offensive line. Oof. And, uh, Hard you know, they allow too much push up the middle last year with their running game and those wide receivers, it, you know, if they can hold water a little bit there, they're, they're going to get those 29, 32, 33 point games. And then, you know, they got to be able to get off the field. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be, I mean, this is a, Kind of a little bit of a turning point in some respects because you do think that, I mean, the, the Lions will get better, but they're not there yet. The Bears, we don't know what the heck we're kind of getting out of the Bears. And then, you know, you've got the Packers where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is coming back and he's elite, but now, you know, Devontae Adams is out. Now they're, you know, having some question marks about some wide receivers. So, you know. If they're, they're guaranteed you know, to draft a wide receiver number sure one. For sure they are. And all that does is fill be, in a massive yeah. hole. And it's not even going to fill that entire hole. They're not yeah. getting better. No. Minnesota could catch them. Absolutely. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But you know, we both know, like in the NFL, you you don't win by uh, signing free agents because then the Jacksonville Jaguars would win every year just by, based on how many free agent signings they sign every year. You win through the draft. You got to hit some home runs. You can't honestly. You're. It's not the home runs you hit that make you a better team. It's making sure that your misses aren't catastrophic, right? Like if you. Like they say, if you miss on your first round pick, like that sets you back sometimes three years, right? So like you gotta you gotta hit on your first pick, and the, those first three rounds are like crucial for teams. So like your your move, I, I I agree with it in terms of the Vikings. If they can trade back and and take another couple more picks into this thing and see who's hungry, especially if you know nobody's picked a quarterback or those get get really late to where they're at. I mean, and all of a sudden now teams that have a chance to reach up to maybe get that quarterback could be an interesting move for that too as well. Yep. All right. All right. Well, we want to hear from you. We want to know what's the Vikings uh, thoughts on Kirk Cousins, especially uh, I like uh, maybe throwing in a, what are your thoughts on Spainer's, uh, you know, maybe prediction or uh, maybe analysis that the Vikings should probably trade back. But we want to hear from you. And that's the end of our NFL segment. And here we are with the high school segment here on the Spainer and Riggs episode. We got a very special guest, Mr. Nick Holberg, executive producer, main play-by-play guy, everything to do with pro-style production. Been covering a lot of high school sports. We're excited to have him on the show. How are we doing today, Nick? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know between uh, 
between uh, you two here. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a word in edgewise. I'm excited to talk to you though, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. No, Hey, the last uh, probably three weeks have been absolutely wild in, in high school sports and pro style production has literally been there every step of the way, either through the regional tournaments on the class A class B side. And then of course, class A state championships and then doing stuff with class B with all of your platforms. What's been the exciting part for you in the last probably couple of weeks? Has there been a certain tournament area, um, either you calling it or just being a part of pro style production with one of your play by play guys? I, I think the most interesting piece to the whole thing for me is just watching the expansion of, of uh, our mission, which is to promote high school athletes and, and the work that they put into these sports that they play. Uh, over, over the course of the last uh, 90 days, uh, we've reached 100,000 unique viewers, and uh, we've had close to a half a million uh, views on our, our content, which is just great for the, the kids and, and the promotion of these athletes. So I think that's pretty neat. And then the other, the other piece of it is just being involved in the competition, you know, being a sports guy and a play-by-play guy for all these years. Uh, I love it. Tournament time. There's nothing better than watching playoff anything, and and uh, being being there in the front row for it has been on a personal level pretty pretty darn neat. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, so tell us, uh, State B Ryan gives a unbelievable effort to try to dethrone Kindred, the defending champs in that semifinal, and but Ryan's got everyone back, and then they have the the Walls kid, that freshman who just. You know, he almost carried him on his back in that game. You know, uh, they were with the, the length of Kindred. Tell me, what do you think about Ryan? And maybe they have a chance, you think, next year to run it. Yeah, I think I think they have a really solid chance. And I think that the biggest thing that I see with, uh, with sports and, and certainly at the high school level is you get that experience uh, with a younger team to get to the big dance. And it only just propels you further and further as those kids' careers continue on. And you guys both know just as well as anyone that that confidence level is, you know, 75% of, of everything that happens inside of, inside of the game of sports and inside the brain. And yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to, I'm excited to be from mine to be able to have the opportunity to call Ryan games and, course the magi as well but yeah class b basketball uh bishop ryan region six should definitely be a favorite next year without a doubt now you switch over to the like the the class a side and just to see how the excitement that happened with with both mine and high teams win and of course we you obviously cover statewide stuff and so we certainly have uh, touched on a lot of statewide stuff but it's pretty special uh, especially with your ties and and being able to cover a lot of what goes on uh, with with mine and high but what were your thoughts on the on the the double uh, championships for both our uh, girls and boys? Well, first of all, this is a funny story. So I covered the Magi and Majets all year long, right? With uh, along with Scotty Cattell, legend voice of of uh, Minot State, Minot High Sports, Region Six Sports. I covered the Magi all season long. We get to the state tournament, and I have a contract. PSP Network has a contract with the Minot Hockey Boosters uh, to broadcast whatever state tournament is at the Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena. This year, that state tournament was a 15U girls uh, hockey tournament. So when mine and I was winning dual state championships, I was actually calling West Fargo and Fargo peewee girls hockey at the Mesa Arena, sitting there like a tiger in a cage going, you got to be kidding me, I'm missing out on the most magical night ever for, for modern high basketball. So from a personal level, that's where I was at. Uh, I was locked in listening on, on PSP network to Todd Domries and Chuck Claremont down in Bismarck. And man, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I got home from, from that, uh, uh, from that peewee hockey tournament and I turned it on TV and was listening on PSP network. And 
you know, there was a, a moment where they, they panned over and showed Jason Schwartz, the head coach of the Majettes, standing there with the magician crowd, you know, and in the student section. And I'm not going to lie. I was sitting in my living room and I had tears running down my face. I was like, this is, this is pretty special. You know what I mean? It just is something that when they break a streak the way that they did and against the team that they, they did it against the talking about the Majettes and Century now, of course, but you know, that was, that was so magical. And then, you know, mine and high getting back to the big dance on the boys side and, you know, slam dunk double D and, uh, and Wentz and the whole crew. I mean, it was just a, a fantastic all around run and, what a what a prime time to to be a fan of the maroon and gold without a doubt. What did you think of uh, Maggie Fricky? I mean, basically single handedly just dribbling through the press of Century over and over and over as an eighth grader, and I just thought she was going to run out of gas, and she just kept like speed dribbling through and getting them up the court, and then pulling back to the mid court line, and then setting up the offense for them. But I mean, she did it like thirty five times or something in that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, for for me to sit here and and uh, and say that I'm beyond impressed would be an understatement. I mean, I, I think about what I was doing in eighth grade, and it was watching South Park and sitting on the couch eating a bag of Cheetos every every Wednesday night when Comedy Central had that on, and here she's winning state titles. I mean, it's it's more than more than impressive. I I I think the sky's the limit for her and, and that whole team. I I think everybody should buckle up with uh, her coming back and and that whole group Absolutely. because. We've got a dynasty forming here in, in the Magic City, and I think that uh, you can stamp that one guaranteed. Absolutely. You know, now walk us through here, you know, in the last probably year or so, I've, I mean, there's no secret. I've known Nick for a long time, and certainly a, a heart for hockey was his big thing, and now it's really evolved. Coverage of Class B, Class A basketball, and big thing for you too, man, is uh, you've been able to partner with some really good play-by-play guys down in Bismarck, and then obviously Scotty K here in Minot and a few other guys. Tell us a little bit about the journey, man, and how this has kind of really evolved or morphed into a, a huge need that's been a big success because it's it's exploded here in the last you know couple of years. I, I think the biggest piece to to all of it and the entire conversation is that. We live in such a unique world. I'm, I'm sitting in the PSP offices south of Minot, about 10 miles out, uh, wherever you guys are located. And, you know, we're doing this remotely. And the ability for us to have a conversation and to be clear as day in HD and listen to each other in HD and have a real-time conversation is just a piece of the puzzle of the world that we're living in. And that's that digital media is the, is the new wave. And uh, nothing against, uh, you know, terrestrial radio or, or, or TV over the air, anything like that. I just believe that we're moving in a direction where, um, you know, 98% of, of Americans have a smartphone in their pocket. Well, that means that we've got the ability to deliver content to them and to be able to uh, get them the game wherever they may be. And I think that that's a really beautiful piece to this. And when, when this kind of evolved we we started back in 2014 and we started with uh doing minor high hockey minor state hockey and and toros hockey we did a little bit of vistas baseball that summer as well and we had a pay-per-view model and and we did some things in a way that you know it just it, it we didn't really catch our stride we went back to the drawing board with it and and uh really took a deep dive into what we're actually doing this for and what we came up with is that you know the the reason that we want to do this is to promote these kids and give the kids the opportunity to to have the the spotlight on them and and the coverage and in doing so we found a way to go back through and uh, provide this content free of charge for people to watch 
wherever they may be. We rebranded from ProStyle Production, uh, the parent company, if you will, to PSP Network, which was easier for people to find online uh, by just typing in PSP.network um, and then having the platform where on any given night you can have four games that, that you can watch or more, uh, depending on what's on the schedule. And, you know, watching, watching it uh, evolve the way it has is really a beautiful thing for sports fans and, and more importantly for the athletes across the board. There's a, there's a lot here that we're very, very proud of. And I think that there's a kind of like Maggie Fricky and, and double D there, Derek, to set that the sky's the limit for, for what we're looking to do as well. So one thing that I've been told, and uh, I know you've been told we have something in common. We kind of say what we see, maybe approach when we're talking about things, uh, you know, uh, I feel like North Dakota's just a, 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 the people in North Dakota are tougher people. And do you think that, uh, you know, the way you call games and the way you see games, do you think it's refreshing? Do you think it's good for the sport? Do you think that people that are talking about sports have gotten too soft as the years go on? And, and I know we're doing high school, so it's going to be scaled a little bit. But, I mean, tell us about your approach to calling things. I, I like that question. And it's a it's – a, a tiptoe through the snow kind of an answer coming here because of the world that we live in today. And I, I, I guess my answer to that would be that, you know, Larry McFall said it best a few years back when he was interviewed by the news about our broadcasting together at that time. And basically Larry said, if it stinks, we're going to tell you it stinks. And I, I think that there's people that are out there. I'm, I'm fully aware that I've got fans and I'm fully aware that there's people that probably can't stand my call as well um, for that reason. Um, but at the same time, I would say that, you know, I, I pride myself in, in telling you how it is. And the people that in, in hockey, for example, the people that are the are the pure hockey fans and the lovers of, of the game and the alumni and and the people around the state that, you know, really have a good grip on it, I think, appreciate that. I think maybe not everybody does at the same time uh, appreciate the, the blunt honesty. However, you know, there is, I, I work on that with quite often as well, though, of walking, like I said, tiptoe through the snow on uh, making sure not to, you know, over, overstep bounds and things like that. And I'm passionate about it too, though. So there's times where you'll get, you'll get a raw call from me if it's a, a minor high game or, uh, you know, a game that I'm passionate about. So I, I don't know, it, uh, it's scarier, the more, uh, the more time passes and, and the more we get into, uh, the years to come, the more it's, it's, uh, it, the scarier it becomes, I guess, to tell it how it is, I guess. And, you know, I had a, a lady that emailed me during the uh, region six championship. This is a priceless story. I'm on the call at the region six championship with Velva and Ryan and just a, what ended up being a pretty good basketball game up at the dome. And I've got all of our broadcast gear set up and right next to the, uh, our, our broadcast laptop is a laptop that we use to monitor to make sure the game's going well and, uh, on the air. Well, that also has our Facebook on it. And a woman reached out and said, right in the middle of the broadcast, this message pops up right on the screen. And it said, these announcers are terrible. They need to be fired immediately. They're just embarrassing. And I'm, I read it as it's live and I'm like, man, we don't have any other games on tonight. She's talking about me. What is this? You know? So I think that's the other piece to it though, guys, is where you look at it is, you know, in this day and age, the, the, the biggest piece to that is that, Hey, 
it's it's recorded. It's there for live replay where people can go back and watch it, uh, which is different than anything in the past. Um, and and also the ability where if if I don't like what you guys are doing, I can I can find your your name and address and show up at your front door if I want to too, which is just a, a crazy crazy time we live in. So yeah, I, I I like the question and you know the 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 answer there again is just you know I I call it how I see it, and if you don't like it, then you know, you're invited to, to watch somewhere else, I guess. And that's not trying to be rude, but we're, we're doing it the best we can. Uh, I got one more question unless you got one afterward too, Spainer. But uh, my biggest thing is what's next now? I mean, we've gone through the, the heart of the high school season. You had hockey, it wrapped up and you guys covered, you know, West region hockey and, and then the state championship. And then of course the, the basketball side, what's next for PSP? You know, I mean, it seems like you guys are morphing and, and we'll call just about anything if, if there's an audience and of course your partners are partnering for you, but what's the next, you know, two to three months uh, schedule look like for the PSP network. After 15 tournaments in the last five weeks, uh, the first thing that was up on deck was me taking a couple days to, to go uh, visit my wife and, and little guy that I basically didn't see for all that time. So I took a few days off, uh, more like five days off, and, uh, and now we look forward to a little bit of baseball. We'll get into baseball and, and girls softball as well. Um, that schedule won't be as, as aggressive as uh as our basketball and hockey schedule um you know we mixed swimming in this year we mixed wrestling in this year we we worked at a pretty fast clip this year um we you know we had football and volleyball on as well and boys and girls uh hockey also so yeah we're we're looking forward to a little bit of baseball a little bit of softball i'm big into the dirt track racing world so i'll be now announcing dirt track at nodak speedway again this summer for darn tv i'll be i'll be on the mod tour and on uh uh, the tougher than dirt tour, I do believe, traveling around the state for those big prestigious uh, dirt track events. And other than that, uh, we'll be putting our our uh, uh, pen to the paper and making a, a game plan for next year and and putting together a broadcast schedule that hopefully again is uh, the same, if not more, games next year for for the kids to have uh, showcased online. Absolutely. So uh, you brought in uh, Scotty K, the Hall of Famer. You know, uh, the longtime voice of the of the Beavers. And, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about Scotty. He's a great dude. Him and I are, are really good friends. Scotty K is a absolute legend. And there will be a day that uh, Scotty retires. And there will be a day that I write a book. And there will be a whole chapter on the stories with my experiences with Scotty K. And I promise that everybody will be laughing from from left to right, falling out of their chair on some of the experiences I've had with that guy in the in the amount of time that I've I've been able to work with them at PSP Network. I've known him for a long time. I give him all the credit in the world and all the respect in the world. There's nobody that you know has more passion for this. Uh, there's nobody that has more uh, more love for the games and for the kids. And you know, Scotty's actually the one that. Over all those years, I always used to say to Scotty K, I'd always used to say to him, Scotty, you're a Hall of Famer. It's time for you to get into the into the Sportscasters Hall of Fame. And he would always say to me, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And that's kind of where our mission statement came from, you know, was doing this for the kids and, and nobody else. And, you know, Scott really deserves a lot of credit. He's not a spring chicken anymore. And, man, we ran him wild here over, over tournament time. He was he was a, a part of a lot of those games and a lot of those calls and traveling all over the place. So, yeah, a lot of credit to Scotty. Uh, I do have to say that Scotty uh, whooped my tail last year in a couple rounds of golf, so I'm excited to get back out on the club here. That he's a, yeah, he can stroke it. Good deal. And uh, we'll have to we'll be looking forward to seeing if we can take him down on the uh, 
golf course this year, but yeah, great guy overall and couldn't be happier that he's a part of what we're doing. Absolutely. So I, uh, I put up a post on TikTok, and I said, uh, basically I say that North Dakota class, a boys and girls, North Dakota class oh, B boy. boys and girls would go to South Dakota and sweep them out. You think I'm way off? I it, look, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Ask me about. Ask me about Red River Mounted High Hockey next year. I'll give you a better <laughs> answer on that one. I, I'm not exactly sure if I if I am the guy to. You know, you'd think that being a part of 200 basketball games this year, I know that answer. But I'd like to think that that you're right. I mean, I think that you know, you put your your starting uh, starting five on the floor that comes out of North Dakota. Man, my goodness, there's some. There's some players on both boys and girls sides of basketball that are, are more than impressive. So I'd like, I'd like to say that you're right. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I guess I don't know that answer. I, I just think it'd be hard. I, I I think I'd be hard to find a class B team that could beat the kindred girls and they won almost, they won every game yeah, by almost 40 good. points. And, yeah. you know, uh, they yeah. beat a Grafton team whose uh, best players foregoing her senior year to go to South Dakota, who just eliminated Baylor. And they beat them by 24 in the state championship game. You know, uh, then you look at, uh, you know, four wins. I mean, you know, they're, I mean, they, they basically have Tony Parker, a left-handed Tony Parker playing with Jacoby Pierce. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I got beat down by, uh, they, you know, the Desmond. Uh, they said there's no chance they could beat Desmond in South Dakota. So I just wanted your, your take on that. But I, 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 I like I North Dakota. I fight for North Dakota. I'm North Dakota's perspective, obviously Spanner and Riggs. And, uh, you know, I like to say it's true. I say we put it together. I say we get a, I, let's, let's get a, let's get a, a little AA, uh, U basketball going here and see what we can do. Let's, we'll let's put it on the PSP that network. We'll definitely do that too. That's right. <laughs> I, I love that, that idea. I'm in, absolutely. I'm in for it. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, Hey Nick, we want to, uh, thank you for coming up on our podcast. And like I said, a big shout out to what you've done. And the other side of this thing, which is unintended, uh, benefits is that there's a lot of extra eyes and ability for scouts to be able to watch these games. Historically, you know, basketball games are in some gyms that have zero coverage and same with the hockey world and being able to have a camera and being able to broadcast it, uh, benefits those athletes. And so it, it certainly benefits them, but, uh, a kudos to you, man. It's been awesome to see you expand and, and give it the coverage and it, everything that it deserves. And it's all a testament to your hard work, man. So we appreciate all you're doing for high school athletics and, Thanks for coming on our episode. I appreciate you guys so much. And about that first comment, I just have to tell you, I don't know where that came from, the get a word at edgewise thing. You guys just let me talk, and I probably talked too much. So thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, no, I love no. what you guys are doing as well. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. You bet. All right, and great interview with Nick. We appreciate him. And, boy, I tell you, that's been an exciting time of what's going on at PSP Network. Now we're going to switch into spring sports here. We're going to talk a little bit about girls soccer and girls softball. Um, The springtime is here. The weather's been uh, heating up here in Minot. I'm I'm certainly excited to be getting outside. I got a little girl who loves to play those sports as well. But Spainer, what are your thoughts on girls soccer? Boy, a lot of expectations, Minot High specifically. But uh, I know everybody knows Spainer knows his, his soccer, especially girls soccer in the area. But what are you looking forward to and what are your kind of your, your keys and excitement and maybe some stuff that uh, we may not be doing, but what are you looking forward to here for girls soccer here in the spring? Well, you know, uh, Minot is, uh, you know, they're, they're the defending state champs. They won the state championship by the largest margin in 
in North Dakota history. Um, they're definitely the favorite. You know, uh, the West's got to come up. You know, uh, the East goes three and one every year where Minot gets a win and then, you oh, know, boy. the East gets yeah. three wins. You know, uh, so Mandan is definitely better. There's a little chit-chat on the TikTok there where Mandan's guaranteeing they're going to beat Minot, oh, you know, uh, and Minot chipping back. So that'll be an interesting game, uh, April 8th at Minot, you know, uh, so that's coming very soon. Um you know, you got uh, you know, you got Davies and Shanley and those guys in the East, and uh, you know, uh, Fargo's had some issues with clubs splitting, and that you know the kids are splitting, and um, you know that's that's uh, probably affected them a little bit. You know, uh, if you get, you know, if you've got 18, 14 year olds that are playing on this team, and twelve go to one club, and six go to another club, and has that affected the level of play now? Are they are going to lower tournaments in Minnesota? I, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard a lot about how that's gone. I think, uh, I think most of the older girls have stayed together. So that, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I see the state, you know, it playing out. Um, Mandan has a chance, I think, to get a, uh, to get a second uh, West win at state possibly. Uh, BHS is going to be better. You know, uh, and uh, they got the the Reese girl going to UND, and then uh, they have this really good freshman named a- Addie Massey, and she's that really good. Yeah, I mean, like one of the top players in North Dakota, really good. And they and the Bismarck high schools don't let them play. Uh, early on in uh, as seventh and eighth graders, like Minot does. It's, it's just, it's school policy. Wow. So, uh, and she's right there in that same level of the Emerson Perrin and Macy Burke, those kids that have been dominating the state tournament the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, there are sophomores, you know, um, you know, uh, there's some, there's some good kids out West. There's some good kids out East, but I, uh, you know, I think this year, it's going to be much of the same. I think you're going to see three East teams, and then we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, I think Minot will be the best team. Um, but they always have one scary game at State. <laughs> you know, in this last year, Emerson Perrin scored the goal, and she was a freshman, and they they win one to zero, you know, uh, and then they go on, you know, obviously, to win the state championship. And, it, like, they got through that game this time, pressure's off, and they just smash through in the state championship. Um, so that, to me, that's the thing is, is my not survive that scary game. And I, I, I've watched them play this off season in the, in the tournaments and they just smoke through everyone in the offs, you know, in the, in the club events. Um, so the question is, is, well, you know, how that, how that, that roll out, you know, when the, when they, when it gets tight, you, you know, do you, uh, I mean, of course the big talk here in Minot is, is the addition of a new high school. Do you think, uh, do you think, especially specifically in women's sports, do you think that, you know, Mountain High soccer will be able to, you know, absorb another team? And are they going to be, you know, have a chance to compete with two teams in the city here? Or do you think there's going to be a little, you know, pushback from the elite play that we've seen here, you know, for the last few years here for Mountain High? But what, I mean, what's your perspective? This is going to be a drastic change for everybody, right? I mean, it's it's interesting. I think that Minot next year, if they had a freshman team for the Minot North or whatever they'd be yep. called, 
I think that team with freshmen would finish top four in the West. No way. Oof. That's unbelievable. So the the 09 birth year girls in Minot are really athletic and really good. The two the the 2010, actually I should I should rewind that the 08. And then there's like on that team, there's 09s that are just like really good. Absolutely. And then uh, the 2010 group, okay, has four teams in one birth year in Minot. Four. They went to Frosty's Cup in Bismarck, which had all the Fargo teams, and it had South Dakota teams, and it had the Bismarck teams. They put two of them in the U13 division and two of them in the U12 division. And the 13s played the two. This is the 12s for Minot in the 13s division met in the championship. And the 12s for Minot in the 12s division both met in the championship. Jeez. And that's the 2010 birth year uh, girls. My daughter's in that group as well. Um, so I haven't looked at the 11s and whatnot, but. I, I, I just tell you that like on it, the girl side in Minot, it is a uh, it is a machine that's rolling right now. And uh, there's a lot of good players. But I mean, when I say good teams like those 08 girls, I mean, they travel out of state and they win out of state. They're not just beating teams around North Dakota, you know, uh, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Do you think do you think that's been to just part of the. I think we've talked about it on other episodes about the how uh, the Minot Youth Soccer Association is really, I mean, for starters, has expanded greatly with their numbers, but just kind of maybe more structure and, and, and more involvement, or is it just sheer convincing athletes to want to play soccer and then they develop? Because, like, I mean, I remember, like, when you started those indoor cups way back when, you had a whole bunch of teams, and now it's exploded. I see... Like I'm on their Facebook page and I see boys and stuff. I mean, that has to do a lot with it for their success, for right? I mean, that's got to be a big part of it is just being able to get more kids involved, more kids motivated, and then get athletes who may not play soccer, getting them to play at an early age, and then they fall in love with the sport and it grows. I mean, what is that part of the big success with the depth, especially here? There's a lot of kids playing, a lot of it focuses on having fun. Uh, one thing that I always tried to get them to do was, uh, you know, to solve problems when they were little. So you see these Burt kids and parents and Aaron Oster and, you know, uh, but, you know, uh, I, I would put parameters on the kids uh, before we go to a weekend tournament about, play, you know, every kid's going to get X amount of playing time. Um, we didn't punt balls we made them bowl them out. So they had to, all the players had to touch the ball moving up the field. Uh, you know, uh, not just kick it to one, you know, to Macy Burke or, you know, Malia Burke or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could just punt it down the field to one player, especially on the little fields, you know, when you're oh, younger yeah. and yeah. you win games all day. Right. You know, uh, and then, but the, there's two parts to, you know, and I, and I alluded to this in the Kelly Armstrong interview last week, but we stuck to the parameters while coaching the game, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't veer from it. it. You know, no matter what the score was, the kids got in while the result was still in doubt. Didn't matter where we were at, you know, no punting. We, we won the state championship with the, with the girls that are seniors. Now all that whole group that signed, we were at regionals in Chicago and I didn't let them punt. We were playing Ohio state, Ohio's champion, Crazy. Michigan's champion, Crazy. Minnesota's champion. And we forced them to bowl it out and we lost, but the second part to it that people forget, because I, I feel like youth coaches are all 
development, no winning, or all winning and no development. Hockey's the same. We one, put, which is awful. Yeah, it's yeah. it's brutal, it is, isn't it? Yeah. We put, you know, and I I think like all development is a problem too. Mm-hmm. It is so for sure. It we is. put Absolutely. the parameters parameters on the coach. The parameters are on the coach, not the players. You're going to play a certain way. And then when the game starts, you live within the parameters, but you fight, claw, and scratch to win. Yeah. You should teach the kids to want to win. And that's one thing that we I really pushed into the uh, the Minot girls because I would coach the 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, like whatever, year after year mm-hmm. after year. But you got to try to win. But we didn't like – just start punting the ball if we were losing 2-0 to, to Aberdeen or Sioux Falls or something. You know, mm-hmm. we stuck with the game plan. Yeah. But no, um, I do think that has a big uh, a big impact on it. Minot um, soccer, uh, I brought in a lot of people, Zoe Fisher and Ellen Jebbins, and yeah, and they just do a good job, man. Yeah, they, do. They, do, I mean, they do a really they good do. job of, uh, of bringing P- of kids in and making sure they have a great experience. Zoe Fisher – does such a fantastic job of making sure those little kids have a, a great experience. And that, that just goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we'll switch gears here to, to uh, women's softball or girls, sorry, girls softball. You know, my first take is, I mean, excellent uh, being able to, I mean, big shout out to Thor Nelson, who was really kind of driving the bus in terms of that, but to get that artificial turf, you know, in those fields, which, you know, we know how it is here. The, the winter takes forever to melt and then the rains kill the fields, but having that artificial turf has been really good. But what's your thoughts on girls, uh, uh, fast pitch softball, which again is another growing sport. I mean, the summer, this last summer, they would, I think they had 70 youth teams, you know, here in Minot, which is a fantastic and people don't understand the economic impact of what youth sports mean to these things. But take on women's fast pitch and you know softball as they get ready to go here this season well you know i'll say this if if you want your team to have a great season the off season matters more than the regular season and the head coach of whatever school we're talking about needs to roll their sleeves up connect with the community coach coaches and get a youth program, just like mine on high soccer, right? I mean, if you don't have a youth program, you're not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you look at Dickinson, it's in their DNA, you know, and th- th- that's a school that yep. we've said, like, are they class A, are they class B, are they class mm-hmm. A? You know, they're the small one of the smallest class A's, yep. but they win the state championship 10 to zero. They're going to be a force again. You know, they're just going to be a force again. You know, Minot has certainly gotten better, at, you know, over these uh, this last 10 years or whatnot. You know, uh, you look at the uh, Class B. I mean, Central Cast is probably your uh, your favorite. They've won the last three. Would be the last four probably if, if the COVID year hadn't canceled mm-hmm. uh, twenty twenty. But you know, uh, it's hard to pick them because they got to get through uh, Kindred, mm. and uh, and Kindred's won. They won two state championships right before that. You know, and then obviously they got Dusher, who's uh, going to Alabama. You know, uh, so, I mean, it's just like class B basketball, right? That region one is just going to be a, it's going to be a gauntlet (laughs) to get through, you know, uh, I I don't know. I, I, softball is interesting with, uh, you know, the West West playing for the state championship, you know, that, that kind of bucks the trend in a lot of sports, right. Where the East, uh, the East kind of dominates. So interesting that class B, the East dominating softball class, a, the West kind of 
uh, you know, a little bit better. Huge, huge. And I, I think it just comes back to youth programs. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, like we said, I mean, Dickinson, you think about, you know, when we, we talked about Dickinson softball and obviously Dickinson gymnastics, and it's remarkable because you think about every other sport, I mean, especially on the boys' side, you know, you know the domination of basically size, the size of your school, and chances are you're going to be having a great opportunity. But that's remarkable, and like you said, it has to do with, you know, grassroots and, and growing your, your initial base of these kids. And, and like you said, you know, training in the off-season is critical. I mean, being able to, you know, hit balls when, you know, in your off-season and, and pitching and all that stuff is critical, especially – uh, in girls' sports, and then, like you said, getting ready because it's such long winters and preparing for it. They, you know, I, I think there's got to be you want to be successful in high school sports. I don't think you have to play one sport, you could play three sports. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you certainly have to put some time in to shooting baskets or kicking, striking soccer balls or, or hitting, you know, hitting softballs and baseballs and whatnot. Uh, you have to put your time in, but I, I, I don't mind three sports. I think three sports are, I, I, you know, and I played three sports. I, I, I think competing, competing, and it gets back to that thing I was talking about with, you know, are we all development or are we all winning? And, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes when, when players play one sport, there's no culminating event, nothing you're building toward, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, when you play three sports, you, you have like a, these culminating events you keep building toward. So you have your development and then you have your event, which you're, you're going all in on. Then you have your development, you have your event, which you're going all in on. I, I think those three sport athletes get that balance of winning and development. And then just, they just use a lot of different muscles. They get hurt less, you know, than uh, athletes who use the same muscles over and over. And over. Avoid the What's burnout. that? Avoid the burnout. I mean, you get sick and tired or you get tired and, you know, and then you don't want to play anything, you know, or at all, or you get so focused on one sport that, you know, all of a sudden your mental, I mean, that's a big part of it now, mental, uh, you know, being able to, to be able to diversify your mental game. I mean, that's why you're talking to all these sports psychologists about, uh, you know, even in ho- hockey's the worst. It is absolutely one of the worst. I mean, it is crazy how I'm talking to parents and they go, their, their regular seasons have ended here in March and ne- the next weekend they're already in a tournament in Minnesota. And it's like, boy, that's just, I just, I get wor- I get worried, I get nervous. I mean, I get nervous because... Hockey is a very team-driven sport with a lot of adversity that you only get when you have to persevere on your own. And you get that through playing other sports, playing golf, playing tennis. I mean, even baseball and, you know, being able to play one-on-one in terms of, like, some of that stuff. So it's critical, man. So uh, I, I, I'll tell you this, I sing you the know, same song with you on, on multi-sport athletes, 100%. Uh, especially my best hockey. hockey players, the best, have played other sports, hands down. And they're the best leaders too. I'll tell you, I learned something. Sharks guy, right? Yep. The Sharks are an eight seed, and they knock off the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Oh, or Archer you know, was like... he the goalie that year? The funny gear, yeah. <laughs> funny <laughs> gear and stuff. Yeah, from uh, and they get he... to the yeah they get to the Western Conference Finals, which I don't think it was called that back then. <laughs> Yeah, they had but, a, a uh, whales, camels and whales, the Prince of Wales yeah. and the Camel Trophy. Yep. Yeah. Boy, you're pretty knowledge, good, yeah. Spainer. Not bad, that. Not bad. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. They're in overtime in game six. And if they win, they go to the Stanley Cup finals, man. And it's overtime. And they come in 
and this guy, uh, the puck gets free. And I mean, and they're getting dominated, right? But it's like three, three or whatever. And he smashes the puck off the post, you know, uh, you know, and then they go on to lose game six, you know, and then they go on to lose game seven and what, and I thought, man, like there's a lot of luck involved in in hockey and I'm not ripping on hockey. I'm I'm leading to a point you, that you can be really good and, and the puck bounce against you in that sport and you could lose. So when you say it's a team thing, like you, Bad things can bounce. You can get bad puck bounce, and all of a sudden you 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 lose. And you got to get a whole group of guys. You got what about three and a half lines, right? So you got line one, line two, line three, and then kind of a line four that goes whatever so often, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, you guy, you can't have people thinking the world's against us. You know, all those thoughts that get in your head. You know, the ghosts are coming out, whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's one thing I do respect about hockey. You got to overcome a lot. For sure, of Absolutely. of unluckiness that, that can that can happen in that sport. But, Absolutely, and it's a lot of adversity, uh, mental adversity. But you know, but it it you know, I know at a younger age though. I mean, it's it's you. I am a hundred percent. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've I, like I said at the you know, when we started talking about this as as a coach of I don't know eleven years of college athletes. I I my best athletes, uh, my best players, the ones that were on my championship teams boy, they could play a lot of sports. And they played a lot of sports in high school. I mean, even in Canada with my Canadians, we played a lot of men's volleyball were another big part of it. Track and field, you know, guys that were able to do it. And, and those ones were usually, like I said, they were wearing letters, you know, on their jerseys as captains. And so uh, I'm a huge proponent of it, uh, you know, in terms of that stuff. And I think, like you said, kind of leads to back to this high school stuff about how, you know, they need to work hard in terms of, you know, in the off season, which could lead to better dividends. Yeah, if I had to guess, my guess would be Central Cast in Class B. Uh, I think it's hard to 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 pick uh, Dickinson in A. I think Dickinson's probably the favorite, but uh, you know, Class A, you're going to have a lot of talent coming out of the East, and uh, I think that's going to be interesting. I, I want to get out and see everybody. You know, absolutely. Uh, um, hard to. I mean, Central Cast has a program from, so they're going to be. They're just going to. It's in the DNA. Yep. Well, good. Uh, well. Hey, well, we're excited. We want to know. We want to hear uh, what your talks are. Of course, I absolutely love it when the haters are hating on Spainer for his picks in terms of what he's got for both girls' soccer, girls' uh, fast pitch. We want to hear from you. What are your predictions? Who do you think? And maybe there's a couple dark horses we want to know that uh, we aren't getting the big press, but we want to know who you guys think are going to rise up here in spring sports. Hey, here we are with the GOAT Talk, and we are in... Riggs wheelhouse we're doing the goat of hockey so uh and i'm gonna throw you a curveball today Riggs. Okay. so uh and this might be a little pre-year time but we're gonna want you to touch base on it and you might okay. have some knowledge of it uh it's up okay. to you but we do have gordy howe we got the great one wayne gretzky yep. we got the new guys Sidney crosby yep you know the mario yep. lemuse we, you know, you got to mention the greatest video game uh, athlete of all time, Chris Chelios, right? Oh, you know? I tell you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Boy, he was hard nosed. So, uh, uh, tell me in your thoughts, and I'm going to throw you a curveball in a second, but uh, you know, give me your thoughts here. Uh, 
you know, uh, who's the greatest hockey player of all time? You know, it's, it's uh, I tell you, the, the game of hockey certainly has evolved. I think in the actual strategy of how the game is where pre-1995, I mean, goaltenders were average at best and you could score at will and you can see the records and, and scoring statistics where, you know, 200 points a season was going to lead you in the NHL and now getting 120 points is barely a grind in terms of it. Um, it's a huge debate. I mean, everybody loves, you know, Wayne Gretzky with his records and all the success that he had with the Edmonton Oilers in kind of the, you know, the 80s and couldn't uh, replicate it with the Kings. And then, of course, you know, Gordie Howe and his records and those type of things. And then you've got the new age couple players here of recent, of course, with Sidney Crosby, who has been, I mean, if he had some health issues, which kind of derailed him a little bit. And then, of course, you got Alex Ovechkin. Man, I tell you, he is uh, has a legitimate shot to actually beat one of Wayne Gretzky's records. They're talking about goals. Uh, John Buchagross on ESPN is like, he needs to average 40 goals here for the next, you know, two, is it two more, three more seasons if he can get it done. And I honestly think that that might be a chance to break one of Wayne Gretzky's records, especially with this modern era and, of course, two lockouts and a COVID year. But... There's no beating uh, the GOAT Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I mean, the greatest uh, hockey player of all time. He was able to do it both individually and then, of course, a team to get it done. And then he did it internationally with some Olympics. So, I mean, he certainly is the GOAT. But, man, there's a good debate over, you know, the modern era stuff and the statistics being skewed. And we've talked about this on other sports. But, uh, man, I could see if Ovechkin can break Gretzky's goals record, whoof. That's going to be a lot of, uh, put some lot of spice on uh, future debates for sure. Well, here's the deal. You know, I, I, I was a Babe Ruth guy and I was the Jordan yep. guy, right? And I go, so you, you'd think I'd be Gretzky. Yeah. But I'm going to throw you two curveballs. But first off, I'm going to say one thing. In 1992, seven out of eight hockey players were from Canada in the NHL. Crazy. That's a crazy there were less pe- There's less people in Canada than in California. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm leading to something. Okay. Was hockey, you know, like, uh, some sports, you know, like the NFL wasn't just, it just wasn't very good in the fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jim Brown's running for all over everybody. Right. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, yep. you know, you got the merger and the Steelers and, you know, the NFL's top dog. Right. Yeah. Is what Ovechkin's doing with a much more competitive NHL? Is he better than Gretzky in in what I think is a, a weaker NHL years when you know it's you didn't have any Americans and and I'm and I'm getting to the next one. Oh, I'm waiting for this. <laughs> the Iron Curtain had not been lifted. Yep. Is Boris Mikhailov from Russia? That led that Russia 20, 20 year unbeaten streak, five hundred and some goals, or no, four hundred twenty eight goals in five hundred and seventy two games. Is is he better? I mean, he dominated the NHL All Stars year after year in the in, a, in the Challenge Cup, and he looked like a man among boys dribbling through him. Is is you know is he better than Gretzky, or is Gretzky get better than him, or is he just eliminated because we just never got to see him? Yeah. You know, and and then the NHL now is at max capacity. It's the same level of athleticism and sport as the other big three. Mm -hmm. It's caught up because it's, you know, the whole world's involved. Mm -hmm. 
what, what, what you know, weigh in on that. You know, that's a great, that's tough. I mean, I don't know much specific about him, although I'll definitely reach out to him. But I will, it will allude to what you kind of touched on in that Iron Curtain. And it, it honestly was extremely hard for those guys to leave the NHL or to leave Russia, the USSR, Soviet Union, to come to the NHL. There was a few that were able to defect and make it work. But it was very tough because not only did you have to worry about your own well-being, you also had to worry about the safety of your family. Of course, that's how that, that retribution happened and those type of things. I would like to just say this. I would have loved to have seen it more often, right? Like you alluded to, they did play some exhibition games against the NHL All-Stars. There was the big, uh, uh, you know, 1972 Soviet-Canada, uh, you know, series, which was really big in terms of that. But... I mean, you can talk about a lot of Russian players. I mean, uh, Tretiak, the goaltender. Mikhailov was there in '72, yeah. by the way. Yeah, you know, and like there's, there's all these, 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 these things of what if. I mean, I have stories of, uh, of these guys playing games in North America and then defecting through hotels to be able to play on their NHL teams and stuff like that. So it would tough. In the perfect world, we would have loved to have seen that and certainly seen it a lot more often. And then we really, truly could see that true debate. But, you know, Russia is a very cold country, you know, much like Canada. So obviously you have longer seasons, especially back in the 60s and 70s when a lot of places didn't have artificial ice. You had to do natural, you know, cold ice. So that's a very good thing. The biggest thing for me when we talk about the debate, and I mean, we talked about it on baseball, you know, when we talk about pitchers and eras and Babe Ruth and stuff. The biggest thing in hockey that's changed is goaltending. Goaltending from about the early, say, 92, 93 on has completely evolved. Some for good. You know, goaltenders have just actually crafted their positions and stuff. The other side of it is their equipment is, you know, ballooned. Like, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, like, the equipment was huge. They looked like monsters out there when, like, J.S. Jaguar was playing for the Mighty Ducks and just, he looked just huge. He just had to move around. So they had to restrict back, but... You know, there was just never any emphasis on goaltending. It was important, and but, you know, the gear was, was your gear, and you stopped the pucks. Now it's like an athleticism. You should see these guys in the training, you know, the, 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 so, the it's crazy. Give us this. Two seconds. Gretzky, Ovechkin will eliminate the Russian. Who do you got? I'm going to go for Gretzky right now, but we will see. No, I'm going to challenge you, okay. I'm going to challenge the viewers. Okay. This you is want a to know challenging who put one. emphasis on goaltending? You want to know who put emphasis on goaltending? I'm going back to the Iron Curtain. Yep. I have seen video. Literally, I've seen video. It's the old... Oh, yeah. It's, you can find it. Of Trediak yep. training in Russia. Insane. This is from the 70s. Insane. And it was unbelievable what I watched. Oh, my God. They, I mean, Crazy. they're throwing... Uh, uh, what are those? Uh, racquetballs. Yep. And he's crazy it's absolutely crazy this Trediac, is, this is training this is a good one because like i said hockey has changed so much i mean there's diehards that are gretzky and thinking like ovechkin or crosby in this era i want to know i really want to know from our younger viewers like we have a hot, huge following on tiktok and stuff like that i want to hear from them like who they actually think is the goat because i think that debate's gonna it's gonna evolve here and there's some like good young talented players and mcdavid and and McKinnon and, and these guys, it's going to be exciting to see for sure. So I'm waiting to see, you know, what everybody else's opinion on. I know Spainer's given us a little uh, history lesson on the USSR and all that stuff, but what is your GOAT of the NHL or hockey in general? 
And we had another great episode here on the Spainer and Riggs podcast. We're excited for next week. We got another more spring sports we're going to dive into. We're obviously going to have some great interviews. You know we're going to have some great guests on here. And we also want to know, where do you want to see Spainer? He's eager to go check out all the Class B stuff's been gone, and now he's excited to check out new practice and new games. We want you to hear from you where you want him to be. Make sure you check out on all of our social media. Great stuff on TikTok and Facebook. This was a great episode here on the Spainer Rig Podcast brought to you by the Dakota Network.